This is the last in a little series of sermons we're doing in the Psalms, and today we're going to look at the Psalms of Ascent, which is a little, you might say, a little hymn book inside the hymn book. The Psalms, 150 Psalms, uh, contain a special group of songs that were used along a journey, and it's 120 to 134. Trust me, we don't have time to go through all 15 psalms today, but I want to start with um, 120. I also want to draw your attention to uh, this book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction by Eugene Peterson. It's basically his reflections on each one of these psalms. So it's possibly a good thing for you to buy, and then when you get to the little traveling songs, you can you know, read one chapter and get Eugene's uh, reflection on it. It certainly will be reflected in what I say today. Let me just read some opening comments that he makes about these psalms. One aspect of the world that I've been able to identify as harmful to Christians is the assumption that anything worthwhile can be acquired at once. Our attention span has been flattened by Google searches and TikTok. It's not difficult in such a world to get a person interested in the message of the gospel, but terribly difficult to sustain that interest. Many have made decisions for Christ, quote-unquote, but the evidence for Christian discipleship is slim. Religion of our time has been captured by the tourist mindset. Religion is understood as a visit, a visit to an attractive site to be made when we have enough leisure time. What we need today is a long obedience in the same direction. And there are no better songs for the road than the Psalms of the Ascent. So that's the idea. It's a, it's a long road. And some of you are little Olivia's just getting on the road. First step on the road. I'm 60 years into the road. Not looking at anybody else, but some are further down the road than I am. Uh, and you're just going to need some message in these little songs that you sing along the road to help you keep moving on the right road. So let's stand together, and I'll read Psalm 120 to you, the very first song in the Songs of Ascent. In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue, What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshach, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. You may be seated, and let's take a moment to reflect on God's words. I got an email this weekend from a friend named Jeff Smith. Few of you would remember Jeff Smith. Um, when we were meeting at Temple Baptist Activity Center, which is now the Y, meet, met in the gym there for the first seven years, Jeff and Tammy were a part of our congregation then. He's since moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, he was reflecting back on the day I baptized him, which was 20 years ago. 
And uh, I'll never forget meeting them. We met at a Port City, Java. They had come a few times, and I said, hey, let's, let's just get together and talk. And when I walked in and I saw them sit at the table, I could just tell their hearts were going at like 200 miles an hour. And so before I even sat down, they said, hey, just pretend like we don't know anything about the Bible. And I don't know if they thought I was going to be like Bible quiz time, like, uh, but you could just like, like, don't ask us any hard questions, <laughs> like pretend like we don't know anything. Um, and it was such a beautiful moment to be able to just to share with him the gospel. And we kept meeting over time. And then Jeff said, hey, I'd like to get baptized. And that was 20 years ago. And he wrote me this letter. I was thinking of you in CCC this morning. I hope you and your family are doing well. You baptized me 20 years ago. And I am forever thankful to Jesus Christ for changing my life and my family's. I thank you and the CCC family for shepherding us at a time when we needed a foundation for our lives. That's gold. That's a million dollars. And now, 20 years later, Jeff's been on a long obedience in the same direction. You know, he's, he's sung these songs at some point in his life to say, I want to I keep staying on this road. I want to remember some things. I need to be reminded of things. I need to be corrected of things. All kinds of things that help you keep on the road. And so we're, we're going to stay on that road today and think about what these pilgrims would have thought about and make some application to ourselves. Uh, there were three main feasts that all the Jewish people celebrated uh, in the time of the Old and New Testament. They were the feast of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And what would happen is there was a certain requirement either age or distance, that you would come to Jerusalem. So thousands, hundreds of thousands of pilgrims might come from 10 miles away, or if you came from Capernaum around the Sea of Galilee, maybe you'd walked 100 miles to get to Jerusalem. But regardless of how far you came, you, you pulled out this little song book, 15 songs, and as you made your way, like you might think of soldiers in the army chanting a song or something, they would, they would just recite these little songs. They're all very short, and they all set, take a different angle on things that the people need to be reminded of. And so uh, we're going to look at these songs just briefly. One more quote from, from uh, Peterson. For those who choose to live no longer as tourists, but as pilgrims. These psalms combine all the cheerfulness of a travel song with the practicality of a guidebook. These songs are not monuments, but footprints. A monument only says, at least I got this far. While footprints say, this is where I, began, this is where I was when I began to move. So maybe there's some movement that needs to take place in your your heart, your mind, your soul. Maybe that's what you're going to write down. It's okay if you're writing while I'm preaching today, not no other day, but today, on your prayer card. And just you have some sense that God's saying, hey, I'm, you're on the journey, let's, but there are some things you need to, you need, there's some course corrections that you need or some things you need to be reminded of. And you would just want to write that down and, and we'll be praying for you on that the next year. So Psalm 20 is a song of, repentance or a psalm of turning. So the first step towards worship, which is where they're going to, they're going to a festival where they're going to worship the Lord. The very first step in anyone's journey towards Jesus, either for the first time or for the 
millionth time is turning away from the world and turning towards him. It's very simple. But the first step towards him is saying no to the world. It's really what Matt did a great, great job preaching on Psalm 1, is it not? I mean, the very first song is, Blessed is he who does not walk in that way, but instead he's like a tree. He's, he's, he's getting his nourishment from an, in a different direction. So the very first thing that comes out of the mouth of this pilgrim is I need to, to turn away. Notice in verse 1, he's in distress. In my distress, I called out to the Lord. The, the pilgrim in verses 5 and 6, and we don't necessarily know it, is he's pitched his tent in the wrong place. And that, you know that from these two words, Meshach, Meshach and Kedar. These are distant countries from, or distant locations from Jerusalem. So they're, they're saying, I've been too far away. I've pitched my tent in the wrong place, and I'm turning around. I'm coming towards Jerusalem, coming towards God. And notice the characteristics. This is how you know you're in a distant land or you've pitched your tent in the wrong place. The characteristic of this distant land first is deceit. Verse 2, deliver me from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. Please listen to the pilgrim here. The land far away from the Lord has a tongue. It speaks. It's not neutral. It, it, it speaks a message to you. There's a message of the world, and it's constantly in play. And it's making promises it can't fulfill. It might be advertisers, it might be politicians, it might be entertainers, it might be technology. Oh, if you just had this one thing, if, if this one thing would happen, then you'd be happy, you'd be satisfied. They make promises. Oh, if just, you're just one click away, one view away, one vote away from peace and prosperity. All empty. Uh, the preacher of Ecclesiastes, what does he call it? vanity vanity you chase after these things and this preacher did it and he kept thinking oh this is the one oh this is the one if i just have this amount of popularity or wisdom or female attraction or uh architectural you know uh engineering uh, any of these things they can all add up to 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 vapor to vanity he pitched his tent in the wrong place. Maybe you've pitched your tent in the wrong place. And it's time to just, I, Lord, you just need to turn me around towards you. So the first step away towards God is away from the world. Mike Mason says this, The heart of a person is like a densely populated city. Nothing can be built in the heart without something first being excavated. So your heart is full already, full of messages or noise or idols or something. And in order to make room, something's got to be removed. And maybe on your card, you're just going to say, hey, this, somehow this, this takes up too much room. And, and this needs to be excavated from my heart, from my soul, my mind, in order to follow after him. Second is Psalm 121. And let me read for that for these verses for you. I lift up my eyes to the hills. So I'm I'm on my way. 
I'm going to Jerusalem. Uh, Israel's a very hilly country, and Jerusalem is on the top of a mountain range. So I'm always going through mountains, and I'm always going uphill. That's why it's called the Songs of Ascent. And I lift up my eyes to the hills, and I ask, from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper, great minds. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time and forevermore. Psalm 121. So the traveler has turned and he's gotten on the right road. He's, he's saying, hey, I've been pitching my tent in the wrong place and I need to get back on this right road and I'm traveling and I need to be reminded of several truths and that is there's always going to be the voices of false gods calling out to me. And in Israel, there were little shrines built on top of mountaintops or hills. And when you traveled towards Jerusalem, you'd pass these little hilltops and on the top of them, you could see, even if you didn't know what the the shrine was too, you'd see these little shrines. And they built them so, so you could say, oh, I'm reminded of this God and I want to serve that God or I need to pray to that God. And the, the, the pilgrim is walking along saying, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come? In other words, does it come from one of these gods in the world? And what does he say? No, no, no. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. When I was in Peru, I'm sure I've told this story, you walk around this little city that we were in, and on top of every little rooftop were several look like trinkets. Almost always there was a cross. Sometimes there was a bull, a bottle, little different things. And it, was, it seemed odd to me, but it was almost on every house. And so the, the guy that we were with, I was like, what, what's, you know, this... Kind of looks trashy, honestly, but what's this on top of the rooftop? Well, that, those are all sort of like idols that they hope bless the home. So the cross is in the middle because they really want help from God, but like if he doesn't come through, then they have these other things. You feel that? We don't put them on top of our house, but I wonder if we did what might be on top of your house. I mean, I've got God, but I mean, just in case he didn't come through, then I've got. And the pilgrim saying, I'm not going to do it that way. I, I, those are all just trinkets, and that's putting God on the same trinket level. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So is there something on the hilltop of your heart that you would want to say, I need to take that down. I need to pass that by as I go towards Jerusalem. I love the verse in Jeremiah three twenty three. Truly, the hills are a delusion. He knows it. It's been happening for hundreds of years. People pass by the hills and think that's where their help is coming from, and it's a delusion. Instead, and you've probably noticed it just in the reading, how many times the word keeper is used. Did you see that? Verse 3, he who keeps you. Verse 4, he who keeps Israel. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you. 
He will keep your life. He will keep your going out. Six times. So just a simple practice. You get up for a new day, and today's a new part of the journey. And you just start your day by saying, not looking at your phone. Just say, the Lord is my keeper. And then sometime during the middle of the day, the Lord is my keeper. And sometime towards the end of the day, the Lord was my keeper. It's just, it's a very simple practice, but it's just a constant reminder, no matter what other voices you hear during the day, that the Lord really is your keeper. He's the one who's watching over you. And then we reach Psalm 122. Let me read that for you. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. You're moving towards sort of this explosive moment for the pilgrim now in Psalm 122. They're, they're ready for worship. They've turned away. They've done some excavation on their soul. They're saying, hey, I, these other things that are on the hilltop of my heart, I'm tearing them down and I'm moving towards the Lord and I'm beginning to have Jerusalem in my sight and there's this explosion of hope. Oh, I was so glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. My heart began to beat again for the house of the Lord, for the things of the Lord, to be near the Lord. And they observe the city like a, a city of stones with walls and homes and a temple. And they just notice it all fits perfectly together in verse 3. One commentator says this, very interesting. The city itself is kind of an architectural metaphor for what worship is. So they're looking at the city and they see how it perfect, everything perfectly fits together. And the commentator is saying, it's like a metaphor for worship. No loose stones, no fragments. In Jerusalem, as in worship, all the scattered fragments of our experience, the bits and pieces of truth and feelings are put together in a single whole. That's what worship does. Isn't that great? You come together and you have all kinds of fragmented thoughts and fragmented feelings but when you come and focus on the Lord, it's like he pushes it all together and it's perfectly, the, the complexity of your life begins to perfectly fit together. Worship pu puts the pieces of your life back together, makes them whole. And then notice in verse 4, various tribes of people go up. They're all coming from different directions. They all have different intelligence levels. They're different in gender, they're different in ethnicity, they're different in age, they're different in social constructs of wealth. But no one comes to worship with an edge on anybody else. They all come equal footing. 
They all come as fragmented people. And when they come to worship, God puts you back together. He makes you whole. And he doesn't make you whole. He makes you and a group of people whole. A whole tribe is coming together. What can keep a large group of people together? The Lord. You have to all say, we're all for this. We, we all come in equal need. We all come on equal footing. We all come from different tribes. We might wear different things. We might sound a little bit different. We might have some different values. But when we come in here, we all look at the cross. We're, we're all the same. God's not just putting my life to back together. He's putting my life together with your life. He's coming not just to save you. He's coming to save the church. This, this, this group of tribe and tongues from every nation are going to fit together like a, a perfect puzzle. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And I want to pause here and just make a comment that the, the year ahead, 2024, has a lot of chances... Let's say it's a road full of potholes. And if we're not careful, if we're not deliberate, if we're not all together looking at the cross, it'd be very easy for us to hit some of these potholes. Now, the first one is just a building campaign. You're trying to build a house with your wife. Is that really a fun thing to do? I mean, there's some fun in it, but then it's, what knobs do you want for the cabinets? I mean, just things that you're like, I don't know, please somebody build a house for me, <laughs> right? But you got to decide. It's, how about building a house with 500 people who all have opinions? Mm, that sounds like joyride, doesn't it? <laughs> but do you see what can happen? I mean, what exactly are we going to build? Exactly how much is it going to cost? Why didn't they think of that? You, you see, there's potholes all over the place. That, that if we don't come and say, hey, the very first thing and the very last thing is Jesus Christ. And we're going to do our best with a program or a building, but, but, but we don't want to get, we don't hit these potholes. 2024 is an election year, and you know it. What a big pothole that could be for a church. If, if you're excited about voting for somebody, great. Great. If you're frustrated that there isn't anybody to vote for, okay. But in here, we're all looking at Jesus. But if you bring that little trinket in with you, your little bumper sticker, and it has to be Jesus and Republican, Democrat, or whoever it is, you see, that's a big pothole. And so we have to be very careful in this year. Changes that are happening, they're not small changes, they're tectonic shifts. And we have to be careful, and I think this psalm helps us. We're keeping our eyes on the Lord. He's our keeper. Not our money, not who gets voted in as president, not what building gets built. It's Jesus. 
and I don't, I don't think I can say it strongly enough that the church, the gathered worshiping of God's people is the structure God has designed to keep people together. It's so easy in a, in a culture that's based on give me liberty or give me death to just get frustrated with a church or the church and just kind of walk away and say, I'm just going to do church on my own. You can't do church on your own. That's like doing marriage on your own. You can't. Well, there was a lady. You know this lady? She married herself. You hear that story? That's not part of my notes. Uh, <laughs> She married herself. This is just bonus material. She married herself in a ceremony. She had a white dress, everything. And then she fell in love with somebody else, so she divorced herself in order to marry somebody else. Isn't that crazy? But you see, that's kind of the world we live in. I don't like what this church or the church has done, and so I go and do it by myself. You can't do it by yourself. You can't be shaped unless you're in a church body to say, hey, this is an irritation that you're bringing in and it needs to be rubbed off or changed or challenged. Uh, Next two months from now, three months from now, in April, seven staff people are going to Cyprus. And we're doing a conference. We're helping serve Lisa and Lance Lawrence. You know the Lawrences in in Jordan. And they're doing a conference for their uh, team that are all in the Middle East. And we're coming in to provide some counsel, some comfort, some children's activities so that the, the missionaries themselves can be encouraged. But think about where the missionaries are coming from. The West Bank, Lebanon, Jordan, and Israel. Now, what's going to keep those people together? It's in the middle of a war. And not all these people have the same agreement on what's happening in the war. And yet they're all going to come to this one place. What's going to keep them together? What hope do they have? Jesus. I mean, they they may have different views. I'm not trying to take those views away. But when they come in, they just have to have one view. We're here because we trust in Jesus and we're trying to tell people about Jesus. But what a big pothole they have right now in the middle of their, their region to just get totally fractured. And the psalmist is trying to say, no, we're, we're pilgrims. We're all coming together, and God's going to make you whole and you whole with a, a group of people. Let me just make two more observations as I end. First of all, Worship is where we hear about God's judgment, verse 5. Their thrones for judgment were set. Judgment here means the place where God straightens things out. So when you come into worship, you're praying, I hope, God, would you straighten me out? I got all these voices out here of what I should do, what I should think, or how I should behave, or whatever. I just need one clear calling voice and that's what you do when you come home to god you're saying hey i'm I'm standing in front of your word and i'm asking you to 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 straighten me out many of us are familiar with verse isaiah 55 for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither your ways my ways 
Worship helps you reorient to God's thoughts and God's ways. And finally, verse 7, the, the distress, the deceit, the discontent of Psalm 120 is traded in for peace and security. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. It doesn't sound right in the English. In the Hebrew, uh, it's two different words. It's shalom and shalava. Shalom and shalava. Peace and security. When you come, you get shalom and shalava. Shalom is peace or wholeness. Jesus Christ, he is the prince of peace. Prince of wholeness. He's putting your, your fractured lives back together, my fractured life back together to fit together as a whole. And shalava, security. It, it actually means leisure. It means when you're with God, you're at rest. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Zephaniah 3, I think, says... God sings over you with thanksgiving. Isn't that a beautiful little picture? It's like it's like holding Olivia. You sing a little tune. Sing over and say, "Hey, it's a, it's I got you. you." You can relax. Everything's taken care of. Uh, my mom died when I was 23. And I remember being in college, and, you know, not every day was good. Not every semester was equal. <laughs> and I would come home, and I was twice her size. She's 5'1", 100 pounds. And I would want to sit in her lap, but that didn't work that well. So I would find a place where she was sitting at the end of the couch. I'd lay down put my head in her lap. And she'd scratch my head, and she liked she liked music. She liked to sing, play the guitar. And she would just sing. She'd sing a little song. And you know what? Nothing in my circumstances changed at that moment. I still made a D in college. <laughs> uh, but something happened internally. Somebody was singing over me to say, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. That, that's what this is. You come in, you have all these fractured parts of your life, your emotions, and God comes in and says, would you just sit down and I'll sing over you? And you can be at rest. Let's pray together. Lord, we um, are come here, we put these cards in a jar. It's not magic. But we, we come as a complex people looking for wholeness. We come with all kinds of brokenness and hopes and dreams and fears and discouragements. And we write them down. And I, I just pray that this whole year of 2024 would be uh, just imagining you singing over these prayer requests, singing over these people, these families. That whatever may come, whatever answer may be given, 
there still can be peace and security. Even if circumstances don't change, I pray that you change the internal structure of our heart and mind that we might find rest for our souls. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 